I'm going to go out on a limb and say this is not a news flash, but tomorrow at midday, a full solar eclipse is happening in Kansas City. Huh, you knew that. Okay, well, that doesn't come as a news flash, but maybe this will. In the history of the church, for the last 2,000 years, and especially the last 500, whenever eclipses happen, full solar eclipse, preachers have taken to pulpits to talk about it. You might have guessed it. In 1806, Joseph Lathrop, Yale-educated, not one of those nut-job preachers, that's the technical term, was a Congregationalist pastor in Springfield, Massachusetts, and he took to the pulpit to preach about the impending full solar eclipse. You can read the sermon online, all 25 pages, if you'd like. In 1858, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the most famous preacher in all of England, packed out the music hall at Royal Surrey Gardens to preach about the full eclipse that would take place the next day. It really should come as no surprise in some ways because in the prophets within the Old Testament and in the New Testament Gospels as well as the book of Revelation, there are references to solar eclipses, almost always as a sign of judgment, which sort of makes sense, you know, the brightness of day somehow covered over. It seems to me this story in Exodus 3 with the burning bush is the opposite of eclipse. Not a covering over, but an unveiling, an appearing. Moses is supposed to see this, is supposed to look at it with his own eyes. You know the story. He's watching the sheep when he spies this bush that's on fire, which maybe was a common enough sight, except this thing just keeps burning and it never is consumed. And so he starts this interior monologue where he has to turn aside to see it, and when God sees that he sees it, and Moses is told to take off his sandals. This is holy ground, and you can tell he's a little bit afraid, but it leads to what it's all about, a commissioning. Moses is to partner with God in setting the oppressed people free. Tomorrow, we can check off our bucket list, if you have one, full solar eclipse. Yep, been there, done that. But how many of us have ever seen a burning bush that wasn't consumed? I doubt it's on our list. It's hard to relate to, right? That's why I've always loved Peggy Payne's version of this story. She's a writer in the Carolinas, and she wrote a short story years ago, kind of retelling this, but she was so taken with the short story, with the characters and the plot, that she went back and made it into a full-length novel called Revelation. It's a story of uh, a Presbyterian minister named Swain Hammond, who is Yale-educated. Make sure you tell Carla I mentioned Yale a couple of times in the sermon, right? <laughs> so because he's Yale-educated and he's serving a church in Durham, North Carolina, he's not a nut-job preacher. He's in this very distinguished congregation. He's married to Julie, a medical librarian. They don't have kids yet. They're into each other's careers, into each other, and, and everything's just fine, except on a barefoot day in June, they're out in the backyard. Swain has a beer in one hand, and with the other, he's flipping skewers of pork and peppers on the grill 
when he looks and he sees out at the edge of their property where it kind of goes into the forest, a flower that he's never seen before. It's not on fire, but it catches his eye. And so he goes out there to look, and that's when it happens. He hears a voice. It's like a PA system has suddenly been switched on. Know this. Know there is truth. And it's switched off. This is not one of those in-your-head, in-your-heart kind of voices, you know, like, well, I just sort of feel like the Lord was speaking to This is audible. And the problem is Julie hasn't heard it. Nobody ever hears it except Swain. Well, preachers can preach about stories where people hear the voice of God, but if preachers start hearing the audible voice of God, well... A lot of times that's the nut jobs, and those are the folks who are let go. It, it, it presents a problem for Swain. I mean, he's a pastor of a church. What's he supposed to do? You know, last week I was out on the patio, and I... But the bigger challenge for him is not explaining the voice. It's trying to figure out what it means. What, what's God up to speaking to him like that? Scholars refer to this passage in Exodus 3 as a theophany. It's an appearance of God. God shows up in a burning bush and speaks out of that. And there are lots of theophany stories in Scripture, but here's the thing about theophanies. They are never about goosebumps. God doesn't show up in Scripture so that people can go, oh my gosh, you should have seen it, it was so cool. You know, it's not like, oh, yeah, I remember I was out in the wilderness, and there was this bush, and it was on fire, and it just kept going. It was so awesome, and I, I took a selfie, and, and here, you want to see it? It's, that's not what theophanies are about in Scripture. Theophanies are not about goosebumps. They are always paired with call. God shows up to say, I have something for you to do. Ten times, ten times in this short passage, variations of the verb to see are used. This story is all about seeing. Moses sees a bush, says, I see a bush, I must turn aside to look. God sees that Moses sees and says, I have seen the misery of my people. It's all about seeing. And in this case, God calls Moses to partner with what God has set out to do to work for justice. So, what is it that's your burning bush? What is it that God is calling you to do? I, I love the story that these two women tell in a book. I think the painting was in Italy, but they, they saw this painting in Europe, and it's a painting of the this, this story of Moses tending the sheep, the burning bush. He's got the staff in one hand, there's sheep around him, and he's looking at the burning bush, except when you, when you kind of step back and you look, every bush, every bush on the hillside is on fire. But if every bush is on fire, if there's so many injustices in the world, you, you could just become paralyzed, numb. How do you know what yours is? Probably the, the most classic definition of calling or vocation is one that Frederick Beekner, great Presbyterian writer, has. He says that it happens at the intersection of your deep passion and humanity's great need. At that intersection. 
So for instance, if you love writing jingles, you just have a knack for it and you love it and they pay you for it, but you happen to work for a tobacco company, well, that's not humanity's great need. But if on the other hand, you work for the American Cancer Society, but you hate PR, well, that's probably not your calling either. Buechner says you have to find the place where your great desire meets humanity's great need. That's your burning bush. Maybe in light of this week's happenings, your burning bush is racism. Your burning bush is when, when something happens and you just can't take it anymore, or when it's not reported on. That's your burning bush. So maybe Black Lives Matter will be your calling. Or, you know, out in the foyer, there's this exhibit about clean water and a group going to Nicaragua after the first of the year. Such a simple thing, and yet so many people dying because they don't have clean water. Maybe that's your burning bush. You know, this is a bad pun, but it's whatever lights your fire. That's your burning bush. And maybe, maybe it's sexism. Maybe it's battered women and you'll volunteer to shelter, or it's food injustice, or it's child abuse, or it's sex trafficking. That's your burning bush. It doesn't mean you can't be involved in a lot of things, but maybe it's finding the one thing. I love the story that a friend of mine tells, Anna. She lives down in Atlanta. She's probably late 40s now, but when she was in her early 30s, she went for her first mammogram. Only this wasn't one of those, we're just going to establish a baseline, nothing to it. This was, she had been to the doctor, and the doctor said, something's not right here. We need to get a mammogram. And so she went, scared out of her wits, course in that waiting room all the women were evenly spaced out nobody talking nobody sharing they were all frightened perhaps I don't know Anna said the TV was on but who cares about that people flipping through magazines and then she noticed the routine there was an African-American woman at this desk and when she called your name you'd come over you'd work through some paperwork and then she would hand you the clipboard and point to one of the doors so Anna's name was called, she went over, they went through the paperwork, she picked up her clipboard to get up, and the woman looked at her and said, be of good cheer. Be of good cheer, who talks like that? Nobody says be of good cheer. You know what those are? Those are King James words. That's what Jesus says in the Gospels in the King James. Be of good cheer. This African-American woman goes to church on Sundays so that on Mondays she might speak words of comfort to frightened women. That's our burning bush. So tomorrow, you can check off your bucket list, full solar eclipse. You have the glasses. You have the right glasses, right? We had those ones. They told us, nope, send those back. No good. We'll be out on our deck wearing our little cardboard glasses like many of you. But here's what I was wondering. What sort of glasses do you think we need to look at a burning bush? What sort of glasses do you need to look at a burning bush? Because none of us want to become blind to the suffering of the world.